See, a couple of months ago, we had an all-star, hard-knocking, killer softball team, didn't we? I mean, we were bad. No, like, we were bad. We were awful. We were terrible. Like, we were really bad. And we, we did okay, didn't we? We did okay. And then we were playing. I do, I do know this. Every team was They were scared. They were terrified to play us because they knew that they were terrified that at some point during the game we may stop it and pray with them right in the middle of the game. <laughs> and it, everybody was like, all right. Several times. Several times, somebody's running around second base. Hold on, the Lord told me right now. They're like, what is going on? But as we were playing a couple of the games, we heard taunts and insults being yelled at us. Going up to bat, no hitter, you stink. Somebody out in the field, you throw like a girl. I mean, it was awful. And we turned to look to see where all these insults were coming from. And it was our fans that were yelling at us, people that we go to church with. <laughs> and it didn't make any sense. But you see, we're family, real family at this church. You may, you may have been to some churches before that when you have been there, people are like, bless you, glad you're here, good to see you. But us... When you come in, we're like, what's up, Smelly? You just decided not to try this morning, man. Your hair is all jacked up. What's wrong with you? Glad you're here, though. We're family. We're real family. We're comfortable. We pick at each other. We love each other. But in families, sometimes perception happens. And you get hurt. And they don't even know how it happened or why it happened. But it happens. Your real family, your with right you pick on them you joke with them but sometimes hurt feelings happen everybody's going to be faced with this awkward moment this week at some point and if and if you're not you're lying it's when you get your thanksgiving dinner together and you're loading up on the mac and cheese and the stuffing got your plate ready and it's starting to buckle and if you're like me i'll give you a tip okay if you're using paper plates the, the, the tip is to grab two, maybe three paper plates so it doesn't buckle, right, under the weight of what you plan on putting on your plate. That's a fat guy tip. You're welcome. But once you get your plate ready, you look at the table and you have to decide, like a high school cafeteria, who am I going to sit next to? And you start thinking in your head, am I sitting next to grandma? Or sitting, I don't like him. You start going through these weird things and it's your family, right? It's your family, things that are, that are old, that should have been done by now, but you don't want to sit next to them because of oh. I'm here to tell you that a spiritual battle is obviously happening, yes? We've seen evidence of it today. Seen evidence of it today, but Jesus always wins. So as somebody falls out from a health complication, another gives his life to Christ. That's how it happens. That's how Jesus works. He can't be beat. There's a spiritual battle happening, but there's 
another one happening in the realm of perception and what you perceive to be happening. You see, you can take something that is completely true, completely true statement, and one person can perceive it in one way and it be an attack from the enemy. And the same true statement can be used to glorify God. You ever had somebody do this to you where they look at you and go, I'm praying for you. Somebody tell you that they're praying for you, and all of a sudden you're just like, man, they're praying for me. That, that makes me feel good. And then you've had moments where somebody's like, I'm praying for you, and you're like, what do you think I need prayer for? <laughs> oh, are you praying for me, huh? All right, fine. Same thing. Perception's different. I perceive it as you truly are praying for me because you care for me or something else. Right? There's a spiritual battle happening in the realm of perception. If everybody would stand with me for the reading of God's word in Luke 18, starting in verse 9. One of my favorite parables. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt, them, exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Can somebody say amen? amen. You may be seated. I've seen it. I, I, I've, I've preached on this parable before. I've, I've spoken about this parable before. I've referenced this parable. It's one of my favorites. It's powerful. The juxtaposition between a man who's tithing and fasting and doing what he's supposed to uh, against someone who won't even look up to heaven, beating his breast, saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I want to talk about it a little different today. I want to take up for the Pharisee. I want to take up for the Pharisee. I know that sounds odd, but the Pharisee would not be given a tenth of what he owed. Or he wouldn't be fasting twice a week. He wouldn't be doing those things. He wouldn't be religious. He wouldn't have that habit. He wouldn't be doing all these things unless he thought that it was the right thing to do. Somewhere, someone had taught him that this is how you honor God. That this is what you will do for God. This is what you do to make sure God loves you. To honor him and glorify him is to do these things. And so that's what he did. Did you know that you could be wrong about something? You could be wrong about something and swear. And I mean swear that you're right. Did you know that? It took me a while to learn it. I do this thing where... I, some people may do this too. First, you're like, oh, yeah? Really? Google it. Google it. Check it. And then when you're proven wrong, you're like, whatever. What website is that? It might be wrong. 
can't trust Wikipedia. You can be wrong about something and swear that you're right. You could have hurt someone in your family. Not, not meaning thinking you did the right thing. You can still be wrong. You could have hurt someone deeply with what you said. And you may have thought it was the truth. You may have thought it was what was needed to be said. But it was wrong. Just like someone else. Someone else could have hurt you to the bone of who you are. Could have said the one thing that hurt you more than anything or more than anybody. But they didn't do it to hurt you. They did it because they thought they were right. They thought they were right. And so this morning, we're speaking grace out over our families today. We're speaking grace out over people and forgiveness out over our families, our relationships, our marriages, our children, our parents. There was a time in my life that I was living in the Northeast far away from here. And I was so ashamed of who I was and what I was doing that I had no contact with my family. I didn't call home. I didn't tell my mom how I was doing. I didn't, I didn't do those things. And she was trying to call me and contact me, but I ignored her so she would forget about me. My mom called people that she knew that might know where I was. And, they, and she would ask me, have you seen my son? Have you seen my son? And I would ask them to say, tell her you haven't seen me. Because maybe she'll forget. Maybe she'll stop hurting. Of course, I didn't know my mom had already packed bags. How many times my sister had unpacked those bags and told her that she couldn't go looking for me because she was going to go and just wander the streets trying to find her son. I thought I was doing the right thing. In my head, I had rationalized it as I was so, so, such a broken person, such a broken person that I didn't need to involve myself in her life when really I was just ashamed of who I was. And then when I came home and I ran into my mom, I can't express to you the joy that she had whenever she got to see me, how, how happy she was that I was back home. It didn't matter what I had done or who I was or whatever. She just wanted her boy back. Amen? God's the same way. You're not too broken. You're not too far. When you turn and decide to come back home, God's just like, yes! I've been waiting for you. It's all I've wanted was you. Didn't matter any of that other stuff. I've just wanted you. You see, it's perception. You can perceive yourself as one thing, but the only thing that matters is how God perceives you. I want to say that again. You can perceive yourself however you think. You can tell yourself that you're too broken, that you're dumb, that you don't look good, that you're not this or this, not that, or you, you don't do this, or you don't tithe like you should, or you don't fast twice a week, or what. It doesn't matter. God's perception and his vision of you is the only thing that matters. It's the only thing. Give God praise for that. It's the only thing. It's the only thing that matters. Last week, we talked about stopping the flow of the Holy Spirit in your family. Sometimes we stop the flow. Sometimes people just pout 
while everybody else is having a good time and they're done, right? How many, did anybody say that to their family this week? I said it to my wife a couple of times and it was hilarious. It's like, don't stop the flow. My like dirty clothes were in the kitchen. She's like, pick up your dirty clothes. Easy, don't stop the flow. It's like your nose is going to be flowing here in a minute if you don't pick them clothes up. I say, yes, ma'am. But once the flow is stopped, somebody has to start it again. Once the flow does stop, somebody has to start it up again. Somebody has to. You may have had a relationship in your family, something that has been estranged for years. The flow has been stopped. The living water stopped in your family. Somehow, at some point, a brother, a sister, a father, a daughter, somebody somewhere stopped and you haven't spoken. And both of you just waiting like a showdown. Could be you and your, your spouse. You may not speak like you used to. Somewhere, some way, that flow of the living water stopped. And the flow got stopped. Somebody has to start it up again. Somebody has to. You can swallow that pride humble yourself, do whatever you need to do. But what is important is that the flow begins again. Because you can swear that you're right about something all the way. And even if you are, if the Holy Spirit and living water has been stopped because you want to sit there and know how right you are about something, it's not worth being right. It's not worth being right. It's not worth having that hill and dying on it. It's not worth being right if it means that the Holy Spirit has stopped where you were right about something. Things keep happening. Conflicts keep going until somebody decides to react with love. Conflict will keep occurring and keep occurring and keep occurring and keep occurring until somebody reacts with love. And breaks that cycle. Anybody ever been in an argument? Y'all are liars. Y'all been in arguments this morning. Yeah. All right. So this is how it goes. Every time somebody says something, the next person tops that one. And then the next person tops that one. And then the next person tops that one. And it gets going and bigger and louder until you've hurt somebody. But it has to stop. Someone has to choose differently. And instead of one-upping, decide to speak with love. You see, why do we speak? Why do we speak in the first place? Because we want something. Hand me that. Hey, would you stop? Hey, good morning. You want them to have a good morning. Or you want them to think that you want them to have a good morning. You want something right? You want something. But there's a spiritual battle that happens in the perception. And somebody can take something true and make it false. And that someone is the enemy. But I want to tell you this. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. 
The tongue has the power of life and death. You can kill with your tongue. You can kill a relationship. You can kill a relationship. You can kill a marriage with your tongue speaking something. But you can also cause life with your tongue. You could have come back from something, come back and redone everything about your life. You could be on the up and up. You could be changing for the better, changing who you are, making differences in your life and the people around you, being on the right track, have momentum, and the right person speak death into your life, and it can crumble everything that you've done. Everything. Or you could be making no changes at all. Be on a path to destruction for you, your family, and everybody else. And the right person speak life into you and change everything from then on forward. Everyone in here, you're in here and at this church because at least one person in your life and in your history decided to speak life into you. Most of it was family. Some of it wasn't. But someone spoke life over your family. Someone spoke life over you. Because you can load a weapon with a word and fire it and kill. Ruin families, ruin relationships, ruin marriages. Or you can decide to speak life and love and Christ over someone. It's real powerful to speak Jesus over somebody. We just saw it. We just saw it. A body of believers taking someone who had no pulse, who was not breathing, and is better speaking. Right? Yes? Amen? Amen. God uses that. But why is it that the wounds of our family that we have, right, feel like they never heal? Why is it that why is it that we can have a family we can get over anything we can get over stuff at work we can get over friends stuff we can get over disappointments and things but why is it that a family's pain something that happens in our family never heals it feels like that that wound is just the slowest process of healing ever it just takes years and why hasn't this healed yet it's because we keep picking at it you keep picking at it. As soon as something's healed and starts to scab over, you just, and, oh, and another thing. You know what? I, I never liked the fact that, blah, 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 blah. anyway. And you pick at it and pick at it, and then you're bleeding again. And you injure yourself because you won't forgive or allow yourself to be forgiven. Picking at that same wound over and over and over again. Did you know that you can be wrong about something? And swear that you're right. Swear you're right. I'm going to say this because my wife's not here. I've been wrong like twice in the last 10 years. Just maybe twice. Please don't go get my wife. She'll counteract what I'm saying. It was a problem for me. When we first got together, I'm, I'm telling you, I didn't. Mm, Lord, bless me. Well, we were just driving. Thought I should take a right. 
She said, you need to go straight. I was like, no, I need to take a right. No, you need to go straight. No, I know what I'm talking about. I'm taking a right. Y'all, we ended up <laughs> not where we were supposed to be. But isn't that how it goes? Isn't that how it goes? You say, you know what? I'm going to respond like this. No, you shouldn't. Yes, I am. I'm going to respond like this. This is what I'm going to say. No, don't say that. Roar! And then all of a sudden you end up nowhere where you intended to be. At a spot where you're at odds with someone that's close to you. We think that if anybody's going to hurt us, if any pain is going to come to us from another person, it's not going to be our family. That's setting yourself up for failure. Because your family is people. We're all people. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to say things that hurt each other. We're going to say things and not mean them. We're going to be wrong about stuff and swear that we were right. The Pharisee thought he was honoring God. He thought he was honoring God. All right, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to do this, this, and this. Is that right? The flow had stopped, but somebody needed to start the flow of the living water back in his life. Seeing somebody beating their chest, not even looking up to heaven. That could have been the catalyst to starting the Holy Spirit back up in his life. That's how it works. I, I wish I knew what happened between the two of them. I wish I knew what happened next. I do. I always want to hear what happens the rest of that story. What else? But I'm telling you, people in your family are people. And it takes somebody to change it, to change the conflict, to change the grudge, to change that, to be forgiving and forgive people for things that maybe you shouldn't be forgiven that you say. That's not what Christ says. I've heard people say this before. I forgave, but I ain't forgot. I forgave, but I ain't forgot, right? Then you ain't forgave. You haven't forgiven. I, I forgive you, but I ain't forgetting. I'm still going to hold this thing. That way I may be able to use it against you again at another time. It's not forgiveness. See, Christ's example of forgiveness is forgiveness. When he forgave you, he cast the things he forgave you from as far from the east is from the west. So when you forgive somebody, you better forget too. If not, you're not forgiven. Throw that last scripture up. Colossians 3, 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I want to read that again because I like the very first thing he says. Some things you have to bear, right? Sometimes you have to bear and with each other is one of them. Sometimes you got to bury your family. Oh, I got to bear. Got to bear with them this afternoon. Hallelujah. <laughs> bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
You see, somebody has to start that flow back up. And I, I may be the only one that's had to deal with this, but I'll tell you all right now, I'll be transparent. Sometimes with family stuff, birthday stuff, Thanksgiving, you got to wonder who you can invite to certain things. Because this person may have a problem with this person. And you're scared. I don't want, I don't want them to be upset if this person... But somebody has to start the flow back. Somebody has to say, I love you and I love you. And you're both welcome in my home, just like the Lord is welcoming both of you. Somebody has to change it. Somebody has to be that catalyst and be the difference maker and be a way maker for somebody to get to Jesus. Some of the people that you lead to Christ will blow you away. Blow you away some of the things that you've gotten to do through Christ. Some of the times that you've got to speak about what the Lord has done in your life to certain people. There's been relationships that I've had with people that I never thought would be fixed or better or anything that through the power of the Holy Spirit have been lifted up, strengthened, and knitted together and now minister to them and then minister to me because of God. He does that. He does those things. He makes something new. Doesn't matter how broken it is. It's not past repair. Our God takes beauty from ashes. Our God takes things that were broken and makes them new. I said this last week at the revival, but a, a grape has to be crushed for the wine to come out, right? Uh, an, an olive has to be pressed for the oil to come out. The, the herbs and the medicines have to be ground up for them to have medicinal properties. You have to die to be made new. Christ had to die so that he could rise. I'm thankful for a lot of things. I'm thankful for a lot of things that God has done in my life, but I'm thankful for some things that he hasn't done. I'm thankful that God has not said yes to every one of my prayers. I'm thankful that God said, no, your will, not my will. I'm thankful that he didn't send a legion of angels to protect him. I'm thankful that he didn't get himself down off that cross. And I'm thankful that he didn't stay in the tomb, but that he lives. Give God praise for that. I'm thankful that God didn't give up on me. I would have. I did. I did. But he's not giving up on you either. You're not too broken. You're not too far. You're not too gone. See, the only thing that matters is not how you perceive you, but how the Lord perceives you. It's the only thing that matters. Everything that enters you has to pass through the filter of the blood of Christ. And then everything that exits you goes through the filter of the blood of Christ. Everything. He's calling you home. When somebody says you need Jesus, it's because they do. 
I'm not telling you because I think you're bad and need Jesus. No, I'm telling you this because I know that I need Jesus. That's why. So if you've never made the profession of faith, if you've never said that I've given myself over to God, that I'm giving up on this junk that I'm carrying around, today is that day. Today's the day. Allow yourself to be made new. You want to be molded into something? Sometimes God has to melt us down first. So if that's you today, as we do this, just know that you're not the only one. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All. He that knew no sin, Jesus, became sin so that we could share in the righteousness of God. If that's not love, I don't know what is. If that's not love, I don't know what is.